Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Las Chivas del Norte podcast. A podcast made by two fans living north of the border. My name is Alvaro and I'm from New York. And this podcast is, is something that we've been wanting to do for a while. And with the new Univision and Facebook stream deal, we figured it was the perfect time to actually follow through with it. I've been a Chivas fan since I was a kid because of my dad. And I've seen them win two championships in my lifetime. I slightly remember the 1997 championship. And I still get chills when I watch Bofo put the ball past Cristante to win the 2006 championship. If you guys want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at underscore dosuno. And my partner for the podcast is going to be Flo. Hi everyone, my name is Flo. Uh, I live in San Antonio, Texas, and uh, my love for Chivas actually came at a later age. Uh, my cousin had a big influence in my love of soccer or football, and he is a diehard Chivas fan. So my love from Chivas just grew from there. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I can be found at the Real Flow FLO, or at TCKFC. If you want to lose at some FIFA or would just like to enjoy some of our pro club highlights. <laughs> All right, so let's jump right into it. The 227th edition of El Clásico Nacional and Chivas won 1-0. Chivas started the game off as we have the whole season, you know, pressing early, looking for that early goal. And it looked like America was just happy to sit there and uh, try to counter attack us yeah i think uh i think it was a lot of what we've seen all year with chivas having a lot of possession and um just trying to find that way through for that goal and what do you think about america just sitting back do you think um i think uh you know they're not at home you know they're 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 away um it's the beginning of the game I, i i don't i'm not surprised that they just sit back trying to get a feel of the game uh, maybe allowing Chivas to have more of the possession, um, but I think um, I think Chivas as a as a whole this year have enjoyed most of the possession, um, and I liked that we were able to create some chances there. All right, and uh, you know, recap the game real quick a little. Uh, the first half, America, like we said, was counting on the counterattack to score a goal, and they almost did. So started off uh, Oribe Peralta. Almost had it, but Gallito had a crucial deflection in the area. Um, Pulido drew a penalty at the 28th minute. Cello got to put it past Marchesin. America had no shots on target the whole game. Uh, some players that we thought did well. Uh, Flo, you want to talk about that? The players we thought stood up? Yeah. Um... My man of the match uh, was uh, Gaeta Vasquez. Um, I thought he was a dominant force in the midfield. Um, and like you mentioned, he had uh, game-saving or goal-saving uh, tackle or touch, as you as you might say, uh, when he stopped Oribe from being able to tap in, um, tap in the goal on that counter. Um, so I thought he did well the entire game, um, especially when we went up a man um, it's, it just seemed like America had, had no answer and they really weren't able to counter or 
we really weren't threatened by their attack at all once they went down to the um, to the ten men. Right, and yeah, I think I agree with uh, your nomination of uh, Gaito as man of the match. But I think I think it's like a duo of the match to me. It's uh, Orbelin Pineda and Gaito Vasquez. I just think it's something that they've been doing all season. You know, Orbelin is free to roam, attack whenever he wants because we have Gallito back there as like a safety blanket and Orbelin like hustles whenever he has to get back. It's not like he just stays up there and doesn't get back on defense. I think I think them two are like a, a big key to Chivas' success early in this season. Yeah, um, Gallito, we all know what he's capable of uh, from his years at Leon and even on the uh, national team. Um, if we can get Gaito to play at his best, to play at, at top form, um, I think he could be a, a difference maker for us and maybe put us over the top from what we've done the last couple of seasons. All right, let's talk about the, controversi- the controversial red card um, against America with the foul on Chapito. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, uh, looking at the replay, I did not think it was a red card, to be honest. Uh, when it happened at first, um, you know, just reacting to it, the angle of the camera wasn't too good. You know, I, it just seemed like, oh, you know, he stepped on him. But looking at the replay, I don't think it was intentional. I think he was just looking at the ball, trying to make a play, and he just happened to step on him. Um, if anything, maybe in my mind it, it should have been a yellow, um, but I thought a red card was a little harsh there. Yeah, I, I think it's just uh, the referee doesn't have the benefit of watching a replay because when I saw it live, when I saw it live, I yelled out right away like, "Oh, he stepped on him! That's a red card!" But then when I I got to see the replay, yeah, I I thought maybe it was a yellow. I thought it was completely unintentional, but that's the thing about soccer, you know. So it's judgment calls and. This one went our way, so we, we won't complain that we got the call. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. All right, and then the other talking points, Saldivar and Pulido. What, what do you what do you think about them working up top as a duo? Yeah, um, it seemed like Pulido, even though he did draw the PK, it just seemed like he was hesitant up front. Um, didn't didn't really seem comfortable. There was there was one spot where it seemed like he had a clear shot on goal, and instead of taking it, he decided to switch switch the ball over to his other foot. And I'm not I'm not sure if he was comfortable or if the duo up front if they're comfortable with each other or maybe they just need more playing time. Yeah, I I, I personally don't think that the Pulido and uh, cello duo type is I don't think it's working and I know we paid tons of money for Pulido but right now I think he's better coming off off the bench I think the Atlas game from last week when Saldivar was up top I think him Chofis and Brizuela uh, on the wings they were just they just looked like a different team it looked like a team just woke up and the x-factor is Pulido so I don't know if they're going to bench him because of all that money that we invested into him, but I think Almeida has to consider it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to uh, bench someone that you pay so much money for. 
um, you know, you want to give them every opportunity to succeed. Uh, you don't want to, you want, you don't want your big investment to just be sitting on the bench. It's wasted money. So I think we're going to see more Bolito, um, even though maybe we may think that he needs to be benched or maybe come off the bench. Um, but I think we're still going to continue to see him start. All right. And let's talk about, we were talking about trophies. <laughs> what do you think of his uh, performance? Yeah, um, I don't think it's it's what we expect from him. Um, I don't think he had the best game. He, he kind of disappeared to me for lots of parts of the game. I didn't even notice him out there uh, too much. And he was when he was subbed out, I know I saw people on Twitter um, saying, you know, oh, thank goodness that he was subbed out and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not a good sign. I think he was a he had a very subpar game. It's not what we're uh, used to seeing from him. His touches were way off. He had a couple of shots that ended up in the stands. I know I'm, I was watching. Uh, you know, we both keep up our, with our Twitter timelines when we watch the games. And uh, after one trophy shot, I think they compared his shot to a a Salcido shot. And then somebody else followed back with that, and they said um, that that was an insult to Salcido's shots because uh, Salcido's shots are always at least closer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty bad. I'm I'm pretty sure there's some Salcido shots that still haven't came back to earth. So, <laughs> so that's a that's a pretty bad insult right there. All right, next uh, next game scandal, I guess. The La Volpe tackle. What what the hell happened there? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. Sure. I think he was. Uh, I think he was fed up. Maybe. Um, I, don't, I have no idea what was going on through his head. That's just. That's 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 Liga and Mackey's right there for you. Um, he just decided to pull Mike Tomlin and um, join the game. I guess. <laughs> or maybe he just wanted to show his players how to properly tackle somebody. I'm not sure. <laughs> yep, I'm sure. Uh, America having zero shots on target. You know that'll that'll do that to you. <laughs> Yeah, he had, he had, uh, he had had enough, I think. Um, maybe maybe he wanted to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it came out the news came out that he only got a a one game suspension for that. Yeah, I don't know uh, if, uh, that's enough. But yeah, I I would say I'm a little surprised by that. Um, you know, a manager going out on the field, tackling somebody during the during the run of play and tripping him. It just seems like. I was expecting maybe a two or three game, but I mean I'm not mad at a one game suspension. It is what it is. Those classicals always get crazy. Things happen <laughs> that don't happen during other games. So um, a one game, I'm not I'm not mad at it, but I was expecting a little more. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the other team I root for Arsenal. You know, Wenger just had a recent kind of thing. You know, he shoved the, he shoved the referee, which I think is not as bad as jumping onto the pitch and kicking a player and he got a, a five game suspension so maybe it's just league I make these things like you said you know yeah it's 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 different over here <laughs> <laughs> definitely all right so let's jump into our uh, top five segment every every week we're gonna try to have a we're gonna try to compile like lists of top five things and this week we decided to do uh Chivas's uh Top five European exports, players that came from Chivas and left to 
play in Europe. Slow, you want to start off from number five? Yeah, number five is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, it would have to be Marco Fabian. Uh, Marco is currently in his second year um, in the Bundesliga playing for Frankfurt. And after two seasons, he's already established, or not even two full seasons, he's already established himself as you know a good quality player in the Bundesliga. Um, and let's see here, in two years, he has three goals, I believe, and he has six assists. And he's not even through his second year yet. Um, right now, he's nursing an injury, but he's expected to be back in early March. So I expect him to just add to those totals. Yeah, he's definitely uh, stepped his game up. I think he's finally consistent, and that's what we always complained about when he was at Chivas, that he would have these great games, and then he'd just go through a couple of, like, a slump, a couple of games of slump, and just disappear. But um, I'm glad that he's succeeding in Germany. Definitely. All right, at number four, we have Massa Rodriguez, who... Uh, was part of the 2006 championship team. He left Chivas in 2008 to play for uh, PSV in uh, Holland. He never won a league title with PSV. They won two titles prior to him getting there, and then when he got there, they didn't win a championship. He also played for uh, Stuttgart in Germany but he did not win a championship over there. But I still think the fact that he was an established center back in both leagues is a huge accomplishment and just uh, shows what Chivas can contribute to the national team and to uh, international football. Yeah, definitely. At number three, uh, we bring you Mr. Longshot himself, Carlos Salcido. Um, he was in Europe for five seasons. Uh, he spent four years in the Eredivisie with PSV. Um, and I believe he actually won two titles, league titles, while at PSV. So that by by itself is, um, is a very successful run in Europe. Um, he also was named a vice captain in his second year while at PSV. So he was definitely an important member of the team. And his final year in Europe, um, he actually played um, in the uh, BPL with Fulham. So just uh, as many of you know, just playing in the BPL by itself is a big adjustment. It's very different than other leagues. It's very physical. So the fact that he spent a year at Fulham playing in the Premier League, um, the top league in England, um, is a testament to how good Salcedo was. Yeah, I was a, I was always a huge Salcido fan, and um, I, I remember when the the 2006 championship broadcast, he was, they had him on camera watching the game, and I remember him just, like losing it when uh, Chivas tied the game, and then when Buffalo won, <laughs> won the game for us. All right, on to number two, we have uh, Carlos Vela. Carlos Vela didn't play first division soccer with Chivas, but he did come out of their youth academy, so we're throwing him in there. He started off at Arsenal, which is also why I uh, leaned towards Arsenal when I started watching European football. 
it's not not a good thing, you know. Arsenal hasn't brought me any happiness, so <laughs> not good. <laughs> and then he went he went on loan to a couple of teams. He was on loan with Salamanca. He was on loan at Osasuna. He came back to Arsenal. Still couldn't get a starting spot. Went to West Brom on loan. He went on loan to Real Sociedad, and eventually Real Sociedad bought him. And I think, and that's where he's been the most successful. He scored yeah. um, in five years. He scored 62, 62 league goals for them, four cup goals, uh, European football three goals. So in total, he has two hundred eighteen appearances for Real Sociedad, sixty nine goals and forty one assists. And uh, it just when he was. Um, he shines on Real Sociedad, and every year when he like heats up the Carlos Vela to Barcelona, Carlos Vela to Real Madrid, rumors start up, and that just shows what he can do if he actually like takes the game serious. Yeah, that's always been the the knock on um, on Carlos Vela is that does he really want to play football or does he want to go do something else? Um, his commitment has been questioned in the past, but there's no denying his talent. Um, throughout his years in, in Europe, he scored 93 goals. Um, so he's only seven goals away from scoring 100 goals in Europe. Um, that by itself, you know, speaks volumes. All right, moving on to number one. Probably no surprise. Uh, it's going to be Chicharito, Javier Hernandez. Um, in Europe, he has been... He's been great, and he's done it at some of the top clubs um, throughout Europe as well. Um, he went over to Manchester United. Um, at United, he had 103 league appearances with 37 goals, 24 cup appearances with 12 goals, and 29 Champions League appearances with 9 goals. Um, so at Man U, he scored 59 goals. And then he went on loan to Real Madrid, and in 33 appearances, he had nine goals there. And now in the Bundesliga with uh, Bayer Leverkusen, he has 38 goals in about a season and a half. So essentially everywhere he's gone in Europe, if he gets the playing time, he puts in goals. Um, That's what he does. Um, Throughout his time in Europe, he has 106 goals. So he's already broken the 100-goal mark in Europe. Um, he continues to shine, and I really hope he has a few more years left in Europe. The, the MLS rumors won't stop, um, but I hope Chicharito stays in Europe for at least another couple years, at least through uh, at least through the next World Cup. Yeah, I think that's a, that'll be important for him and for Mexico. I hope he comes back home before he goes to the MLS, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody keeps talking about he's going to join L.A., this new L.A. team, MLS team, but I hope I hope he goes back to Chivas before he does any of that. The return of the prodigal son. Yeah. Oh, and he also had a, he started a Champions League final, which is huge. Yeah, against Barcelona. Yep. <sighs> All right, so... We'll finish off with questions that we got from Twitter. Let's see what All we right. got. All right. So the first question we have here is 
from the colorful kit. Um, and it is favorite memory as a Chivas fan. Well, I think we all know my favorite memory. It's uh, the 2006 final. Chivas was losing 1-0. Massa header 1-1. Bofo goal 2-1. And they won They won the championship. And ever since then, we've been on the drought. But, you know, we hold on to the good stuff. Let the bad stuff go. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite memory uh, is going to be a little different. <laughs> um <laughs> And it's probably because I'm a Marco Fabian fanboy. But I know a lot of people love this game as well. Uh, 2011, uh, the game against Barcelona, uh, where Chivas was able to win 4-1. And Marco Fabian had two of the, of the best golazos you're ever going to see in your life. Um, it was just an amazing, amazing game. Um, I think everybody after that game thought Marco Fabian was destined for greatness. People thought he was going to go to Europe immediately. I think at the time he was only like 21 or 22. So he was very young when, when that game happened. And he he had two goals against Barcelona. And I think Chivas played lots of under-20 talent in that game. And Barcelona played some good players in that game. They had PK, David Villa, a few other people. So it's not like it was a complete B team. So it was it was good to see Chivas hold their own out there. Yeah, that was that was a good game, and uh, we could always use it as bragging rights against Barcelona fans. Yeah, man, those those Barcelona fans they they feel like sometimes they they look down on the on the Chivas fans, but we'll ha- always have 2011. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. Exactly. All right, the next question is from at Joshua something, and he wants to know who's more handsome, Prime Omar Bravo. Or Alanis? Yeah, with this one, um, I got to go with Alanis, uh, the Mexican Matt Hummels. He's just that beard. Um, something about him, he just, he's, just, he's just a handsome guy, you know? What, what can we say? Um, but it's, it's, I think it was interesting that it's recently come out, and actually Matt Hummels has actually tweeted about it here in the last week where someone asked him, hey, have you heard about the Mexican Matt Hummels? And he was like, oh, yeah, I've seen plenty of pictures. <laughs> so Matt Hummels is aware that there is a Mexican uh, Matt Hummels, and it's, I, I just find the whole thing hilarious. Yeah, I'm a, I go with uh, Alanis, too. I think I think it's that beard, you know? But, yeah, Mexican Matt Hummels. And our last question comes from Danny B underscore ninety six. Um, he asks, "What is the biggest need for the team?" Hmm. All right, that's a that's a pretty good question, and I feel like it's always hard to answer these questions when things are going things are going well. You know, if a team is doing bad, you you always know what they need. We need this. We need that. We need this. But when the team is doing well, it's like, well, you know, we're doing good. We don't need anything, but we're going to have to pick something. So what I think they need is a player on the left wing on or on the left midfield to help out either Pulido or uh, Saldivar. Because right now, what Almeida is doing is he's starting Pulido in the middle at the top, and he's letting Saldivar play the wing. And I think 
that Saldivar just gets lost when he has to do that. It takes away from his skill, it takes away his link-up play. And I know that Brizuela is an option to start on the left wing, and I think that game that he did start Brizuela, uh, Cello, and Chofis up top, I think we looked great. But if he's not, if Almeida's not going to opt to start Brizuela week in and week out, then I think we need somebody that is going to start on the left instead of Saldivar because Saldivar, that's just a waste of Saldivar's talent. Yeah, I agree. We need a, we need consistency. I mean, the only other thing that I could say, I mean, it's not really a need as far as a player or a position, is we just need to try to find a way to be more consistent in front of goal. Even this past week, um, Pizarro missed a sitter in front of goal, and it seems like every week Chivas has the possession, they're creating chances, but just never finishing them. Um, I think to take that next step, we just need to find a way to be more consistent and um, and start putting some of these goals away and not letting all this possession go to waste. Yeah, I feel like we've, we'll, we've dominated games, but still end up winning by one one goal. And I think if the Liguilla started tomorrow, I would not be confident in this Chivas team because, you know, the Liguilla is a whole different beast. If you don't put away the chances you get, that's it. You're going home. Yeah, agreed. But, you know, the season is still young. So I think they could get it together. They could start scoring goals, hopefully. Yeah. And one more thing before uh, before we sign off for tonight. Um, so our top five lists. Um, this week it was the top Europeos from Chivas. Uh, so next week we want to try to do... Maybe top five goal celebrations or maybe top five signings in Chivas history. So maybe uh, send us a tweet. Let us know what you want to hear. Um, and we'll try to put together a top five list for uh, next week. Yeah. And send us, you know, what you think are the best ones, you know, best celebrations, best goals, anything. Just send it to us. And, yeah, we're going to close this podcast off. You guys can, you guys can add us on Twitter. Send us messages, send us uh, tweets, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd like to hear more about, and um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Later. Peace.